Welcome to Sunday Sermons from the Williamsburg Community Chapel, brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. Let's grab our Bibles and open up to the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And I'm going to read verses 8 through 12 for us now, as we prepare to hear from Travis Simone, as he helps close out our Advent series titled, Waiting. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, and lying in a manger. I'd like to run a thought experiment with all of us this Christmas Eve. Imagine you were an alien from outer space. You descended to Earth in the Christmas season. You saw what was going on, and you asked yourself the question, what story are they trying to tell? These people dressed up like elves, what are they trying to communicate? Maybe it's something about a snowman, there's bells involved, but, but just when you think you've got it, it's not a snowman in the back of a truck, it's a, it's a tree in the back of a truck. It's no longer a snowman, it's, it's, it's a little hard to see there, but that's a gingerbread man waving, big difference between the snowman and the gingerbread man waving. But then you see this and, and you think, okay, it really is about the trees. They, 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 they have the trees in the back of the truck. They're dressed up like trees. They're walking like trees. And, and then just when you think you have it, you see they're dressed as animals as well. Hmm. <laughs> By the way, these are all from the Williamsburg uh, Christmas parade this year. So you think it's about trees, but then you're confused because, because now they're also dressed like animals. And then, yes, they're the, yes, it really, it must have something to do with, uh, with the animals. And then you see this one that just brings it all together. You've got the tree in the back of the truck. Uh, you've got the jingle bells. They're, they're, they, they mention the bells and the snowman is now back, but oh no. He's in a steaming cup of hot chocolate. <laughs> you as the alien are now concerned for the snowman. He's not gonna make it. <laughs> and so um, you're just, you're, you're going, do they like the snowman? Are they trying to destroy the snowman? I'm not sure. And then you just don't know what's going on. <laughs> So as I'm at the Christmas parade this year, it's going on a little longer than, than usual, and I, 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 I grab my daughter's bike because I, I just, I need, I need something to drink, I need something to eat, and I start riding the bike down Richmond Road to go to Wawa. So there I am, a grown man on a girl's bike, pink pedals, uh, pink handlebars, and people start cheering for me. <laughs> so I start waving, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. What's Christmas about? I don't know, a father who stole his daughter's bike to get a snack. 
See, the truth is, many of us have forgotten the Christmas story. Our culture no longer knows the story it's trying to tell anymore. So let me tell you the story of Christmas. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. See, Christmas is the story of a Savior, a Savior for all who are captivated by their need to control. The story begins with a man who must be in control. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. He became the sole ruler of Rome after a bloody civil war in which he systematically defeated anyone who dared to question his authority. The last to fall was the famous Mark Anthony. Augustus turned the Roman Republic into an empire. He declared his father to be divine, and and so he himself was Savior, Lord, Son of God. And yet none of this was enough. He had to control more, more land, more lives. As the great theologian Bruce Springsteen once said, the poor man wants to be rich. The rich man wants to be king. And the king isn't satisfied till he rules everything. Augustus takes this census to ensure he he squeezes the maximum possible tax revenue from his subjects. And at the precise moment when the most powerful man in the known universe believes he is in most control, we read this. Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, to be registered with Mary, Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Right when he thinks he's in control, A savior is born because Christmas is the story of a savior, a savior for all who feel the need to be captivated by control. It's also the story of a savior for all who feel like their lives are out of control. And there was in the same region, shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Shepherds don't control 
their own land. So they don't control when they're able to feed their sheep or how much they're able to feed their sheep. If when, how, and how much they feed their sheep is out of their control, then when, how, and how much they get paid is also out of their control. They can't control society's perception of them as low skill, low wage, low character workers. They can't control the hours they work, early mornings, late nights, the Sabbath day. They can't control a runaway sheep. So they can't control when they must drop everything and search. There's a scene in the great Christmas movie, Christmas Vacation, that I love. It's the scene when the family descends upon the Griswold house. The doorbell rings. It's ominous. It's sort of a for who the bell tolls kind of a ring. Ding dong. And there they stand at the entrance to the door, the grandparents. They open the door and Clark says, Merry Christmas, everyone. And all of a sudden, presents are flying and everything is bustling and they're speaking while they're embracing. They're fighting about who's going to park the cars. And all of a sudden, there's this great cut to the wife, Ellen Griswold. Blessed be Ellen Griswold. She endures a lot. And she looks at her mom right in the face and she says, you promise, you promise, you promise, you promise. See, Ellen Griswold is a woman who feels out of control. You don't know what she's asking her to promise not to do, what story she's asking her not to tell, what criticism of her husband she's asking her not to say out loud, but we've all been there. You promise, you promise, you promise, you promise. Ellen Griswold feels out of control, and so do we at Christmas time. And so in verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace among those with whom he is pleased. It is to those who feel out of control that the angels appear. Christmas is the story of a savior for all who feel like their lives are out of control. And it's the story of a savior for all who feel conflicted. At the end of the story, as the shepherds hurry off back to share this news with others, we read that Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart, That word pondered in the language in which Luke is writing can literally mean dispute. Mary is involved in a dispute in in her own mind. She's conflicted because the news that the shepherds share with her and the circumstances and her circumstances don't match. If angels announced this birth, then why am I in a stable? If a king has come, then why am I surrounded by cattle? You see, what she believes about God does not match her experience with God. And so she's conflicted. But Christmas is the story of a savior 
A story of a savior for all who are conflicted, for all whose experience with God is not currently matching what they believe or what they long to believe about God. So what needs to be saved in your life? A relationship, your health, your mental health, your parenting, your marriage, your mom, your dad, your job, your business. Are you longing for control of something over which you feel out of control, out of which comes great conflict in your soul? What needs to be saved in your life? This idea of what needs to be saved is just embedded somewhere in the human spirit. There was an article in the New York Times just yesterday entitled, Just How Formulaic Are Hallmark and Lifetime Holiday Movies? We overanalyze 424 of them. I feel terrible for this reporter. 424 Hallmark and Lifetime movies they sat through. And this is what they found. Places that need saving in Hallmark and Lifetime holiday movies. A bakery. A bakery that makes Christmas Kringles. A bakery with famous gingerbread. A candy cane company. A candy store. A children's theater. Christmas lights factory. A Christmas store. A Christmas tree farm. A community center. A a cookie company. A dairy farm. I'll, I'll go on. A lumber mill. A middle school. A New York City theater. A pioneer village. A rec center. A rundown bookstore. And it goes on and on and on. You see, the idea that something is lost and we can't recover it on our own is stamped on our souls. It won't fade. It's a permanent feeling we carry with us no matter what we do or where we go. You see, what needs to be saved is us. Saved from the idea that we can save ourselves Saved uh, from the idea that we can fix our own problems and make the world a better place if we just try a little harder. You see, most ancient people look for salvation from disease, disaster, and death in this life. Some pagans spoke of redemption from social bondage, like slavery. Judaism introduced the idea that there was darkness out there because there's darkness in here, that no matter where you are in your standing in the world, we're all slaves to sin, to selfishness, to longing to live life on our own terms and just look at the world. It doesn't seem to be working out too well for us. As difficult as this is to hear, the angel cries out, I have good news of great joy that will be for all people that unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior. But how does this savior save us? Well, there's a word that gets repeated over and over in the story and we're actually told that that it's actually a sign. See that Mary wraps the baby in swaddling clothes, normal, 
practice for a mom, but she places him in a manger, quite abnormal practice. And then the angel says, the manger is going to be a sign unto you. I find it fascinating that it's not the, it's not the heavenly chorus that's the sign. It's the manger that's a sign. See, this means that Jesus Christ did not come so that we might in, imitate him. He came so that we might ingest him. The manger is a feeding trough. It's where God's creatures eat. Jesus says, I didn't come to inspire you to live a better life, but I came to enter into the deepest recesses of your life and in doing so, offer you a new life. I recently got to celebrate a a good friend's 65th birthday party. And we went to this fantastic restaurant. And I had only been to this restaurant one other time, probably about six or seven years ago. It might be another six or seven years before I get to go again. So the stakes were high on what I was going to order. I poured over this menu. The waitress came. I I asked her a question about a rockfish that had a a bure blanc sauce that I had no idea what that was. She had a hard time describing it to me. And then one of the gentlemen seated with me at the table said, oh, that's that's a white butter sauce. It's a bit softer than a lemon butter sauce. Doesn't have as much bite. Really brings out the flavor in the rockfish. Thank, Thank you for the input. Uh, and then someone else uh, came by and speaking to this man, the, the conversation kind of went on around the table and somebody asked him what he'd been eating lately. And he said, well, we've been going through uh, 400 pounds of rockfish a week. I thought, what, si- what size is this man's family? 400 pounds of rockfish, it's incredible. The waitress came back and I looked at him and I said, You seem to be connected to this place in some way. Would you advise me? Should I get the rockfish or the tuna? And I took his advice. Eventually, I learned that I was eating with the owner of the restaurant. And I started asking a lot more questions. When the dessert menu came, there was a a peppermint cheesecake or an apple-spiced cheesecake. And I said, tell me, which one should I get? He looked back at me and he said, I'll split it with you. I'll get one, you get the other. The owner of the restaurant wanted to split dessert with me. The two cheesecakes came and I'll never forget the moment when he turned his plate toward mine and said, let's eat. You see, When I thought he was uh, the owner of the restaurant, I just kept asking for his advice. See, this is what all religions and philosophies offer. They offer good advice for your life, light for your path, a better recipe for your parenting, a better way to to govern, to be a, a more compassionate soul. But the God of the manger is the creator of all things turning toward you, turning his plate toward you, saying, let's eat. I have real food. See, while other philosophies might have good advice, 
Only Jesus Christ is the good news. He claims, I am not light for your path. I am the light. I am the path. I am the bread. And so Christmas is the story of a Savior. It's a story of the Savior who begins with a king who thinks he is in complete control. It culminates with the true king who has given up all control to lie there in a manger in the midst of our conflicted world, a world that can't save itself. Christmas is the story of a savior who offers himself to you. Will you now offer yourself to him? Will you now turn your plate toward him and feast at the manger? Thank you for joining us today. Here at the Williamsburg Community Chapel, we are all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. So wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we hope you will take up this call of Jesus to follow me as we consider these disciplines for disciples. 